This is the What Matters Most podcast. A 100% listener-supported program. And now, here is your host, Paul Samuel Dolman. Welcome back, my beautiful audience all over the world. Thank you for tuning in in the countries that uh, you are listening right now and for the emails, the guest suggestions, and just the accolades and sharing your stories. It's a beautiful family. And speaking of family, we're welcoming back one of our favorite guests. He's been on multiple times, always with the most transformational energy, inspiring energy. He is a teacher, a speaker, a visionary guide. He's also written a national bestseller called You Are the One and the Magic of Surrender. That is the latest book. It is absolutely fantastic. I highly recommend it. It's The Magic of Surrender, Finding the Courage to Let Go. We have a link on the page to make it easy for you. It's such an honor to welcome back my spirit brother, Mr. Coop Blackson. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. What drives you so hard to do what you do? I was looking at just how much you're putting out into the world and how nothing seems to really slow you down. What drives you so hard? Wow. You know, I I feel like I don't have a choice. For me, it's a calling. It's a calling that I feel is bigger than me. It's a calling that has never been for money, has never been for fame, has never been for, you know, sort of validation of what people think. And so it's a inner calling that has pulled me from a very young age. And uh, I feel like it's why I'm here. It's why I incarnated in some way. And that's really about elevating people, inspiring people, reminding people of who they are. And so it's a calling from within, you know, it's a calling from within, even when times are difficult and COVID times, challenging times, challenging moments, um, there is an impulse in my soul that feels bigger than my personality to share and do what I'm here to do. And so, yeah, that's, that's how it's always been from a very young age. Did you ever resist it just for multiple reasons? Like the mind doesn't want to do this. The ego wants to do that. Am I worthy or I'm tired? Look, I don't know if I've resisted. I think, you know, there've been challenging moments where maybe things like even during COVID didn't go according to plan. Being on the road 200 days a year, events, seminars, and then everything stopped and everything kind of fell apart. And so it was challenging. It was difficult. It was hard. It was heartbreaking. Um, But even in those moments, there there was a knowing inside of me that uh, this is why I'm here. You know, it's a purpose. It's a commitment that is uh, bigger than my own resistances or momentary fleeting moods. And so, you know, what I've learned is that emotions come and go and moods come and go. Um, But when we stay focused on the deeper calling of what's real, uh, when I stay focused on the deeper calling of what's true, that that's what pulls me through. You know, look, as a young boy, I would, uh, my father being a minister, for those that maybe haven't listened to previous episodes, where my father had 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa, had a huge church in London. I would sneak into my father's churches in the middle of the night because we lived literally behind my father's churches. I would sneak into his churches and um, I would give seminars to the empty chairs, uh, literally speaking for two, three hours a night, four or five nights a week. And nobody was there. It wasn't for fame. It wasn't for fortune. It wasn't for money. It was It was just I felt something pulling me. And so, um, yeah, I, I, would, I would imagine souls around the world being inspired. And I would um, <clears throat> feel the souls of people uh, being transformed. And I felt the, the, shall we say, the soul contract, the soul agreement with people that uh, I was uniquely that we all have our own connections with, but I felt uniquely put on the planet to serve. And I'm glad I have, because look, for example, you know, in the moments where I wasn't in the mood or just felt tired or felt exhausted or, you know, I, I remember, for instance, 
I remember doing a seminar, man, in 2017, December. And I did this weekend, two and a half day seminar in October. And three weeks before, my mother passed away. And it was devastating to me because she was the closest person to me on the planet and the person I loved the most. And so it wasn't a light thing. It was a heavy thing that would devastate most people. And my mother passed away. And two weeks later, maybe 11 days later, I forget when it was, 12 days, uh, I was supposed to give this weekend seminar. And my work, my seminars are very intense and very deep and very uh, experiential. So it's not just like me giving a PowerPoint presentation. It's, it's me really taking people through deep processes. And everyone said, Could, I think, you know, let's post, should we postpone the event? And, and I felt the souls. I felt people traveling from around the world. I felt them and I felt like, no, I need, I need, I need to fulfill. I need to fulfill what I have promised to fulfill for people. And at this particular event, obviously it was powerful. It was life-changing. It was transformational. There's a woman that stood up at the end of the event. And in the final sharing, she said, two, two weeks ago, I was about to commit suicide. And I wrote a letter to everyone in my life and my family about committing suicide. And they decided that it was time. She said, I got a phone call to come to this weekend seminar. A friend gave me a ticket for free to basically attend. And somehow I took that as a sign from God, the universe. And she stood up at the end of the seminar and she said, I have never experienced so much transformation in two and a half days. She goes, like I've experienced a, a revolution, a miracle in my heart, in my spirit, in my soul. I don't know how, I don't know what, but something has happened that is very profound and life-changing for me. And I want to live. I mean, she went on and on. So when I hear stories like that, I think to myself, man, what if I had stopped? What if I didn't do that event? What if, what if I just allowed my momentary tiredness or mood to determine how I was going to feel? This person would possibly have killed herself. What if I had not shown up that one time and dug a little deeper and transcended my own humanity for a second, what would have happened? And so when I think of that, and when I think of her, and when I think of all the versions of that around the world, like what if I didn't, what if I didn't do that podcast or make that video or, you know, not that it's solely my responsibility, but I'm just committed to doing my part for humanity. I'm just committed to doing the best I know how to do. So at the end of my time on this planet, I can be at peace knowing, you know what? I wasn't perfect, but I did my best and that's enough. And so, you know, people like that, women like that, men like that around the world who've been transformed, inspire me to want to dig deeper and make sure I'm doing my best and give my all. That's profound. And she spoke up. Maybe there was a hundred there who had similar circumstances. Well, we never know how many we've helped who remain silent. I get a lot of emails on this thing, but I always feel like for every email, yes. it could be 500 or whatever. I don't keep track of it either. I just feel like you do what you do f just for, for God and then of yourself and then whatever happens. I'm sorry about the loss of your mom. I knew you were really close has she come back to you in dreams or in spirit or? Yeah. I mean, look, that was, that was in, that was in 2017. So a lot has happened since then, but yeah, I felt, I felt then and felt that feel now, you know, closer to my mother than even when she was alive. My parents both died in the last few years and I feel like the love is growing more now than then. And I have these surreal dreams that aren't really dreams. They call them multidimensional interactions, encounters, where we're in our costumes as me and they're them. And then we sit and have dinner. We talk. I cry. I tell them how much I miss them or how much I love them. I'm often confused because it's as real as this dimension. It's just a different frequency. I'm just open to it. I don't think I'm special. I think, and they just, I'm glad they come back. I don't control it, at least not with my linear mind. It just happens when it does. What's her name? Let's put out a prayer of gratitude for her. Yeah, Jinko is her name. 
You mentioned COVID too. That was a hard time, especially for people like us, especially you who are so hands-on out there. How'd you cope with that kind of change? Surrender, man. That's the that's the bottom line. I, I practiced my own book. Uh, you know, when you write a book called The Magic of Surrender, which is all about surrender and finding the courage to let go, be ready because somehow the the universe says, "Oh, you want to write a book on surrender? Well, let's uh, let let let's let's give you something." And so I'm not saying, you know, for a moment I thought, "Shit, did COVID happen because of me?" <laughs> and 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 uh, it was intense. I went through so many amazing changes in COVID. Um, uh, I I ended up moving to phoenix i had a house in phoenix that i would only go to maybe once a month and stay for a week or a few days here and there to write create i ended up leaving la which was very hard because i was very identified with los angeles and uh, feeling like this is where i grew up from 18 and this was my home and roots and so that was very hard i i left my apartment in la i uh, let go of my office in LA. Everything went virtual. I moved to Phoenix, which I love Phoenix, but not to live. And so here I was in the middle of a like a completely different universe in Phoenix, and that was intense. Uh, the relationship with the woman I was sure was going to be my wife and the mother of my kids that you know unraveled and know, didn't unfold the way I thought it was going to unfold, which that was a whole nother surrender process and uh, profoundly humbling and profoundly transformational. Uh, ended up then towards the end of 2020, uh, beginning of 2021, uh, being guided to sell my house in Phoenix, which I love this little house, sold the house, uh, ended up moving to Miami, thinking Miami was going to be where I was going to live now for the next 20 years. Uh, lived there for a year. Long story short, a year later, ended up moving back to LA, and and so many amazing things happened along the way. And so, you know, I think it just goes to show that uh, so often we think we know what's happening, we think we know why something is happening, we think we know why something isn't happening. And as human beings, we make up meanings about what something is or what something isn't. And I think for me, part of surrender was this willingness to not know this willingness to be thrown into the unknown and to not know what something is and to not necessarily even assign a meaning to it. Because many times when we assign meaning to something, uh, we, we can limit it, even if it's a good meaning, we can limit it because the meanings that we assign to an experience is arising from the level of consciousness and conditioning of our minds that are making the meaning. But I found that when I'm willing to just rest in the the non-meaning, like the sense of, I don't know why this is happening. I don't even have to, I don't even have to try to control the meaning. I'm just going to be open to life showing me, to life revealing itself to me, to life, life unfolding the the the, the deeper dimension of what it's seeking to do in the situation and show me what it is. Then I think I found that we're open. And so it was a year of realizing and being humbled to realize, I don't know shit. I don't know anything. Like I thought I knew, but I really don't. And sometimes just when you think you know, you realize you don't. And just when you think you don't know, maybe you realize that you do know, but it wasn't necessarily what you thought. And so uh, for me, it was, it was, it was really beautiful. And many times I think, we surrender, as I call it, fake surrender versus real surrender. We sometimes surrender with this idea of, oh, I'll surrender and I'll let go in order to. Like, I'll surrender this relationship. I'll surrender this thing that I know I need to surrender so that it will come back, so that it will, in order to, right? And, and that's still surrender with conditions. It's still surrender with attachment. It's still surrender with identity, with ego, with, with desire, with intention. And we don't realize that when we surrender with that sense of holding on, we are still limiting the universe in some way. But when true surrender is when you're guided to let go, you don't know where it's going to lead you. You don't know what it's going to mean, but you know the rightness of letting something go because it's no longer aligned. It just feels like I need to let go. And not having to project what will happen or what won't happen, just letting go 
and living in the openness of the surrender, then what can man- what I have found, what can manifest and what can unfold and what can reveal itself can be way more because now there's no projection of what might happen at the end of that surrender. There's just availability and pure openness. And I think that's when magic can happen. That's when grace can flow that is bigger than us, that is bigger than the mind, that is bigger than logic, that is bigger than identity, that is bigger than ego. And I think that's the magic of surrender, you know? I love the way you put that. And there's a tremendous freedom in it all if you're okay being uncomfortable with fake security, fake knowing, like you have some sort of control and plan. If you can reside in who you really are in that stillness, listen and connect. And this goes for anybody listening. It's not like, oh, you have to do anything special. Just practice being in that space. And I love the fake surrender. That's like bargaining with the universe. Bargaining. (laughs) Right. I'm 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 giving over here. I hope you notice. So I get that. You know, I mean, I believe in abundance. You can't fake it out. It's the what is your core truth? And then being in that. And will you elaborate too on the word? Because when I use the word surrender, a lot of people think that means giving up. To me, it's not. It's letting go after I've done all I could, or just simply listening and saying, All right, I've done it's almost like if I was in a restaurant. I ordered my meal. I'm going to surrender now. I'm assuming they'll bring me what I asked for. But I'm not going to go back in the kitchen, micromanage, or check on it every 30 seconds or keep changing it. I'm just going to surrender now. I trust. I trust the process you know, of the micro and the macro. And whatever turns up is for my greater good. Even if it was my demise and physicality, there's a freedom in all that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, this, there's this idea that if you surrender, or misconception, that if you surrender... Um, it's giving up. If you surrender, it's waving the white flag. If you surrender, it's passive. If you surrender, you won't manifest goals, dreams, and desires. And, you know, what I'm really saying is if you really understand and practice the real essence and meaning of surrender, that if you surrender, like, what if you got more? More, more than you could imagine. And it, And so, yes, it is a letting go of control, or I would say the illusion of control, Uh, It's a letting go of trying to force life to fit your limited idea of how you think it should be so that you can be truly available to life and the highest unfolding. You talked about the demise of the physical, the challenges, or we could even say really challenging, difficult, tough situations, tough, you know, experiences, heartbreak, physical challenges, challenges, because most of us think, shit, I, I, I sure as hell don't want to go through that. Why should I surrender to that? Why should I, you know, be in that situation? I'm not going to surrender. I'm going to fight. And so, you know, here's what I would kind of maybe add as, as some reflections. It, it's not about giving up in a situation because there are certain experiences that we go through in life that are difficult and that are challenging, that are hard, that are harsh, that might seem unfair on one level. Why is this happening? And it seems unfair and it's difficult. I mean, literally, uh, you know, a physical situation, losing one's ability to walk. I mean, God forbid some of these very, 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 very hard situations in life that sometimes might seem impossible to go through. And so how, how do you surrender? And so the surrender is in in any situation shifting your relationship to life so that you can hold it in a deeper context. And that happens, I think, for me, when we first remember and realize and awaken to that we are souls. We are souls, that we incarnate. We're not just these physical bodies. We're souls, multidimensional beings, and we incarnate into this human experience. And if we're souls, not just this physical body, one-dimensional things, right, with a, with a beginning, and an end, and that's it, and it's over. But if we're souls, then we incarnate into this human experience in order to learn to grow and evolve. And we incarnate into this human experience in that this human experience is really like a university, a university for our soul's evolution, that life is like a school, and every experience in every situation 
is kind of the curriculum for our soul's growth, evolution, and learning. And so if we can start seeing ourselves beyond the one-dimensional beings to multi-dimensional beings as a soul first and foremost, and that this human experience is a school, a university for our soul's evolution, it starts taking, experiences start taking on a different context. Experiences start taking on a different uh, relationship. And then we, it doesn't take away the pain of a situation. It doesn't take away the heartbreak. It doesn't take away the difficulty. But at least we can maybe go through an experience from a different perspective, relate to an experience from a different perspective. Because now if I understand that I'm a soul, and if I'm a soul, then I incarnate in order to learn, then rather than focusing on this happened and that happened, and this is wrong and that is wrong, and this is bad and that is bad, and that's it, and that's all that there is, I can find a deeper perspective even in the demise, even in the illness, even in the death, even in the sickness, while I'm going through it to go, wow, if I'm a soul and everything is for my learning, everything is for my growth and evolution, then we start focusing on not just the goal line, but the soul line. And we start focusing on what is it as difficult as this is? What is it that my soul is seeking to learn here? Why is it that my soul attracted this illness, this physical experience, this demise, this heartbreak, this pain, this suffering? Why is it that my soul attracted this experience? And what is it that my soul is seeking to learn? And if we can surrender to that deeper dimension of the experience, then I think we can extract the lesson and the evolutionary learning and go through it much more fluidly so that we can kind of evolve through it and possibly transcend the experience or at least totally reframe and relate to the experience differently that can give us a different experience of the experience. And I think that's that's a level of surrender even in the midst of a challenge. doesn't take away pain, doesn't take away hurt, but it might take away some layer of suffering. Well, it completely takes away the resistance to what is like what Byron Katie talks about, or just all the prophets, all the great teachers, you are allowing life to unfold on its terms, and then you choose how you want to relate to it. And then if you're just purely here to have experiences, of course, you're going to have a great contrast of experiences, or none of them would have any meaning. And then you just allow it. And especially if you're asking in that kind of open mind, open heart, it's almost like you're existing in that field where Rumi talked about beyond right and wrong. Just things are showing up. And then if you believe in a loving God, a loving universe, it's like, hmm, so this came for me. How do I unpack the gift to understand it? Yeah, it still hurts or my leg hurts or mom or dad is gone or the girlfriend, the wife, the fiance, the job. But that's not who we are. We are a soul here, a portal to something much greater that's transcendent, that is taking in the events of this phenomenon. We're having experiences and we're naming them constantly good bad good bad and then we think we know our small minds and we're framing everything based on what the media or our downloads growing up or rather than in a larger context asking our heart our soul or god the universe what is the gift here rather than projecting onto it with all our projection power and that's a completely different 180 from the normal way that people move through the world. And I'm not making either one right or wrong or better. But what you're talking about and what I've experienced, it's just a completely different way to move through the world. And I could say from personal experience that life becomes much more interactive, way more enjoyable, not without pain. And I feel like I'm playing with it, that it's alive, like I'm hitting a tennis ball back and forth in terms of evolving, manifesting, synchronicity, what people would say, oh, man, you're so lucky. I think it's just lit and incredible coincidences or whatever you want to call it. I think it's just like, no, I have a great, I have a great connection to the home office through my heart, soul, and then I'm guided. Can you imagine being guided by infinite intelligence or guided by your own limited mind? Which one do you think would bring you a more rich experience here in the classroom? I love that metaphor. Yep, absolutely. Can you give me an example of how someone single might manifest a soulmate, a partner in a deeply connected relationship that is part of a joint experiment, a joint experience in the classroom? How would surrender apply to that? I'm sure if you just stayed locked away, it'd be hard to meet anyone. So you can't just be inert in the fetal position, right? 
what's the balance between inspired action and then letting go and surrendering? Yeah, look, I think it's a it's a great question. I, first, I would just say mm, there is a possibility to meet your divinely inspired soulmate in any possible form without limitation. So is it possible to meet your soulmate locked away in your room and never leaving your house? It is, but it may not be highly likely. <laughs> it's like, is it possible to drop my pen in Los Angeles and this pen ends up in the slum of Mumbai? It is, you know, let's not put limitations on the universe. You know, like, like I might drop the pen and the trash guy picks it up. It drops out of his pocket and then someone picks it up on the street and they're going to the airport. It lands in LAX and somehow someone picks it up and then they get on a plane to Mumbai. And so, but it may not be likely, right? And, and so what I would say is, is this. If you want to find your soulmate, if you want to meet your soulmate in relationship, in, in love, I would say stop looking for your soulmate. Stop seeking your soulmate. Stop trying to find your soulmate. You're trying to find your soulmate is actually pushing it away. You're trying to find your soulmate is delaying it. You're trying to find your soulmate is, is repelling it. Instead of trying to find your soulmate, simply find your own soul. Connect to your own soul. Uh, uh, Align with your own soul first and foremost, because if you connect with your soul and connect with yourself, please realize that you relationship is a mirror. And in relationship, you attract to you a person that is a vibrational match. You attract to you a person that is a mirror manifestation of your own consciousness showing you and reflecting to you the parts of yourself that you most need to heal, that you most need to integrate, that you most need to love, that you most need to make peace with, that you most need to uh, embrace. And so the person you attract to you all the time is a mirror manifestation of an aspect of your own self, whether you like it or not, is what it is, because the mirror doesn't lie. And, and so when you really get that, there is no relationship out there. It looks like there's a relationship out there with someone else, with another person. But the other person is, is really showing you yourself. They're a, they're a feedback mechanism showing you yourself. You are in relationship with yourself, your own deeply held beliefs about yourself, your beliefs, your subconscious the level of your consciousness, you're in relationship with that, and that gets projected out there. You're in relationship with yourself in the form of the other person. And so if that's the case, and relationship is a mirror, don't try to change the mirror. Don't chase the mirror. Don't fix the mirror. If anything, change yourself. Evolve yourself. Heal yourself. And it's not about manifesting a soulmate. It's about removing the mental, emotional, psychological, psychic, generational, karmic blockages inside of your own consciousness so that you can relax back into your true nature as love and the essence of your soul. And I think as you do that and you heal those human layers of conditioning and you shift those patterns and you raise your vibration, you will become and you connect to the love that you already are, instead of seeking the love outside of yourself in another, you will become the love that you are. And from being the love that you are, then you will begin to attract people or a person to you that can now reflect to you the vibrational frequency and energy of who and what you are. And so as you connect to what you are, the love that you are, remembering the love that you are, knowing that no one else is the source of your loving, no one else is the source of your validation, as you connect to that, then you can start cultivating a life that is full and free and happy. Then you can start living a purpose of joy, abundance, gifting, service, prosperity, without depending on anyone else. And as you live that, and as you express that, your life becomes full as you live love right now, because that is what you are, your heart opens, you become more attractive, you become more magnetic and out of being love, you're much more likely to attract love to you, to, uh, to attract people that see you and see your heart because you're being you and you're being your heart. And so stop seeking for love outside. You don't have to find it. First, be it. And you will attract to you a person that is a vibrational match. You're always attracting to you people that are a vibrational match of, of some aspect of yourself anyway, because the mirror doesn't lie. That's the bottom line. And so you shift yourself, you will shift what, what you attract to you. And I think that really, really is the foundation. The other thing I would say is 
this. I think it's great to know what you want. You hear a lot of people talking about manifest your soulmate, calling the one, calling the person, and get clear on what you want. Write a list of exactly who you want, the type of person, how tall they are, how short they are, you know, what, how they feel. It's great to be clear on what you want, but what I will tell people, what I've encouraged people, what I would encourage people is do not let your ideal scene of the person that you think you want as your soulmate. Don't let your ideal scene get in the way of the intelligence of the universe. Don't let the, your ideal scene of the person you think you should be with limit the divine. Because the divine, because God, because the innate intelligence of life is bigger than your mental capacity to, to imagine what is possible for you. Your mind, your mind is limited. And many times from a limited place, we write down, I want this person, I want this person, I want this person. They've got to be like this, two foot one, seven foot tall, a million dollar salary. They've got to go to Harvard. They've got to meditate. They've got to do Reiki. They've got to love Sedona. They've got to do yoga. They've got to be a vegan. They've got to not be this, not be that. And we don't realize that our ideal scene is, lim is, is being created from the level of our ego and it's limited. Sometimes what you think you want is not what your soul really needs. And we're talking about a soul mate, not a mind mate, not an ego mate, not a condition mate, not a body mate, but a soul mate. And so sometimes what your soul needs is beyond what you think you need. So when you truly uncondition yourself, step one, which we talked about, raise your vibration so that you can be the love that you are. Get a sense of what you want, but don't focus so much on all these little, little details. Oh my, yes, get a sense. Okay, I want to be with someone loving. Great. I want to be with someone. Great. And get a sense of the feeling that you will feel with the person, the energy, the inspiration, the feeling, the feeling, the energy. But don't let your mind put limitations on the package and the form that love can come in because love is bigger than form and your soul knows what you need. The universe knows the specific forms. And sometimes I see people get so uh, limit the person that can show up because the person doesn't fit their mental ego's projection of what they think of as their type. And they limit that. And so when you can just be truly surrendered and open to the form, and instead open to the essence, then you will find that sometimes your soulmate won't fit your ego's idea, but will be what your soul needs. And that is, I think, true, true availability. And I would just add humbly, fall in love with life in every moment, be romantic with the trees and the food and the way you serve others and well, the way you wash the dishes, how many people would love to have water who don't, you know, maybe a billion. So make life a romantic experience and bring joy forth from yourself organically. And that's going to be like a bright light, a lighthouse. And you'll probably, like you say, I think because everything is vibration, attracting vibration, you're going to draw to you people like you. That's the best part of this podcast. One of the best, the listeners and the guests, I found my family by shining this speak and putting out this frequency of words and conversation and connection. And it's drawing in the people that resonate. And that's, we can do that with everything. And one aspect of that whole thing might be a romantic partner. And I love the idea of not already having a preconception based on Mad Madison Avenue or what your family thought, just be open because the people I'm finding who are madly in love, that's not what they would have picked. And they weren't really looking. And But somehow it's incredible. Now they cannot imagine their life without that person. And yet they also surrender it where it's like, well, we're just trying to do it as we go. We know everything's temporary. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, what are your feelings in regards to climate change, climate breakdown, and possible climate collapse? Our classroom here, I have no worries about the earth, by the way, which is four and a half billion years old or longer as we just kind of bumble out of wherever we came from. And now we've evolved to this beautiful place in a lot of ways, but science is science. And we've had the top climate scientists on and like anything, especially organisms that don't find harmony in their surroundings and with others, it seems to be those are eliminated. Extinction is the rule, not the exception. I'm not worried. Like I say about the planet at large, it's, I would love for us to consciously treat Gaia or whatever we're calling it, the earth, or just the, everything with the great reverence I, I know it deserves, including each other. And then 
to stick around. This place is the Garden of Eden. It really was given. Uh, What are your feelings around this topic, brother? Let's explore my feelings because I don't really have set, you know, philosophy or feelings about it. I don't know if my feeling will be popular or not, but this is kind of perhaps where I'm at. Um, Yes, I'm not really worried because here's the thing. To me, the universe is its own intelligence. And the universe has been around for billions of years. You and I, we've been around for 50, 60, 70, 40, 30, 100 years. And the truth is, long after you and I are gone, this planet, this evolutionary expression will be continuing on in another dimension or whatever dimension long after we've gone. Jesus came and the world is still going. Buddha came, the world is still going and the world will continue in whatever form it needs to take in its evolutionary you know, uh, trajectory. And so I think that I believe more in the intelligence of nature. And I really believe that nature, it knows what to do and it knows how to do it. And we are all a part of nature. And let's be, we are all a part of nature. And everything that is happening in nature is a part of the process of nature at the same time. And I really believe at the deepest spiritual level, now this isn't to condone things, certain things, and this isn't a spiritual bypass, but I believe at the deepest spiritual level, everything is happening exactly as it's meant to be happening. That for me, the the, the world is a manifestation of consciousness. This whole experience of life and death and birth is a manifestation of consciousness. The world, you know, consciousness manifests as a multiplicity of form and energy to experience itself in all possibilities, all shades of the human experience, all dimensions, black, white, green, orange. And we don't live in a perfect, the 3D is not a realm of perfect utopia. The 3D is a realm of duality, up, down, black, white, positive, negative, creation, destruction. And so in this 3D, there is no perfection. There will never be perfection. So in this 3D, there's always going to be positive, negative, and, and, and creation, destruction, impermanence, and change, and transitoriness. There is no permanence in this three-dimensional domain. So where I come from is I don't really look for, for, for the perfection here. The world is going to change. The planet will change. The planet will evolve. We might become extinct. And to me, at the biggest level, this is a part of evolution of life. If we're meant to be extinct, we're going to be extinct as human beings. If we're not, we won't. That doesn't mean we can't do our best to take care of the planet and to do our best to love each other and love the planet and take care of each other and take care of generations and take care of nature and take care of the oceans and do our best around plastic and fuels and all of you know all of these things, et cetera, et cetera. But we could also say, look, I think I don't think we can get so dogmatic on it because people are talking about climate change, climate change, climate change, electric vehicles are the way electric. I'm not saying they're not, but people often don't realize that in order to have millions and millions of electric vehicles, you realize that 75 to 80 percent of the, you know, of, of the coltan and, and the, the, the minerals from the electric vehicles come from Congo being mined in illegal mines by children in slave labor. And so, and so, you know, I think there is a humble balance, you know, that we have to find in our relationship with life and this human experience that's so delicate and so fragile and so sacred and so, but it's not perfect. And so do I think we need to be more conscious of how we treat the planet and the oceans and nature and all of it? Absolutely. I think we need to do our best. And realize that the world is going through whatever it wants to go through and needs to go through in the process of civilization and experience. You know, I don't think we're going to have a perfection in nature at the level of the planet because it's just a cycle of life. It's, it depends also what level of lens that you look at life through. What I will say is climate change, the world, humanity. For me, the world is also a mirror manifestation of the collective consciousness of all of us combined. The world that we see, the climate in the world, 
is not just a climb out there, but it, I think it reflects to us our own consciousness. And if we want to really bring about change in the climate, in the planet, in the world, in nature, we can't just do it in nature. We have to do it in ourselves. We have to do it in ourselves. The world is a projection of our consciousness, so we have to be willing to look at our own climate. We worry about pollution of the world and pollution of the oceans. But we also then have to, if you really want to bring about a, a real change, we have to look at the pollution of our consciousness, the pollution of our emotional bodies, the pollution and toxicity inside of our hearts and the rage and the anger. That That is also a pollution inside of our own systems because the world is a projection is a macro of the of the micro and so i think if we really want to bring about change on a nature and planetary level it's not enough to just change what's out here we have to change what's in here we can't just bring about a revolution in nature but we're eating like shit and eating like crap and, and poisoning our bodies and smoking cigars and cigarettes and heroin and cocaine and alcohol. But we want a beautiful planet. doesn't work that way. Dropping bombs of self-hatred and constant self-judgment. But we want a peaceful planet and climate. It's, it's, it's mirrored. It's interconnected. And so I think, yes, let's do our best. Let's recycle. Let's do all of these things with humility and understanding of this nature and the cycle of life as creation and destruction. But we also have to do our part in loving ourselves, in, in cleansing our own internal climate, our own inner relationship with ourselves and forgiveness and self-loving and self-compassion. And I think as we bring peace inside and as we cleanse inside, then that will also affect how and what we do in the world, but it will also shift the fabric of consciousness of nature and the planet as well. I absolutely love that take, and I'm so glad I was inspired and led to ask that question. That is so holistic, and I've thought that too, that if you want to clean up the toxicity in your external world, both individually in the micro and in the macro, do it first inside, and then it will reflect outwardly. And I love the way you tied all that together. That That's absolutely brilliant and beautiful and spontaneous. How often do you get back to Ghana? Do you miss it ever? No, I go back three, four times a year. And uh, Ghana's amazing. Ghana's beautiful. Ghana is... Uh, Ghana specifically, the people are amazing. The people are friendly. The people are loving. I think in Africa, there was so much potential and so much mineral resources and so much abundance, but uh, it's not cultivated and you know needs leadership in certain ways. But the land is amazing. The land is beautiful. The people are particularly friendly in Ghana. And I think Africa has so much potential around the world and needs to be uh, developed you know, um, in, in many ways. Well, I was telling someone that I feel Africa doesn't need more charity from the West or aid. Africa needs the economic opportunities and business and capital, capitalism and jobs and vehicles to be empowered. Because I think it's only when Ghana or Africa raises and rises to its full potential that the world will also be blessed, you know. And it's 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 so much of the world and the planet and the wealth of nations have been built on the backs of Africa. And, and I think that this is something that also has to shift and has to change, you know, to bring the world and the planet into harmony. It's like, how can the whole planet come into harmony when Africa has been raped and pillaged by Europe and UK and Belgium for years and years and years and years? when this energy is still cycling in the consciousness of nations, you understand? And so I think these are things that aren't spoken about. For instance, when France right now, you know, granted independence to several African nations, and I'm going kind of a little out there, but you inspire the question. But, but, but when France, you know, uh, uh, grant, granted, in quotation marks, independence to several African nations that it previously colonized, as in, extracted for its own, uh, uh, shall we say, uh, benefit resources for free. But when it granted, 
the the independence of these nations, uh, it made many African nations sign the pact for um, continuation of colonization. So many African nations uh, are still paying, for instance, the French treasury billions of dollars every year. I mean, the list goes on and it's still a form of slavery. And so how, how, how do we have peace on the world? You know, how do we have peace on the planet when really the way that certain systematic things are set up are still set up to disempower certain nations? How does this make sense? To me, talk is cheap, right? I think we have to look at the entire systematic structure of the way things are put together so that peace isn't just nice talk, but peace is in the empowerment of each other and nations on all levels, economically as well. And I think Africa uh, has so much potential, um, and, and yet I think a lot of systematic things need to change. And I appreciate you not shying away from the hard truths that are true from history and the fact that the exploitation is still going on today. Bro, the exploitation is still radically going on. And I think, you know, things need to change. You know, it, it's like having a family system, right? If, 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 yeah, let's just have peace in the family between me, you, and, and our children and the kids in the family. Meanwhile, one of the kids is still being exploited and abused. But let's just be all cool and have peace and hold hands. Mm, certain things need to be uh, uh, recreated. The challenge is this. And, 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 and again, I'm not sure how we got to this topic, but I think it's an interesting thing to consider beyond just the sort of spiritual realm, because I think spirituality is interconnected with all of life. Many nations do not want Africa to be independent and free and developed because there is an interest in Africa not being free and developed because once Africa is, then you can't exploit it anymore for certain resources and mineral resources, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do you know? And so, uh, and it goes for that on a human level too. Sometimes we don't want certain people or our friends or our family to be evolved and expand and be developed because we won't get love, validation, approval anymore. So it happens on so many levels, individually, systematically, nationally. And, and so I think we all have to at least do our part to change within ourselves. And I think when we can empower ourselves, then we can begin empowering our friends and our community and our family and on and on. Well said. And I bring this up because it's important for the human race and people to know the truth. It keeps getting oppressed, oppressed, hidden. They don't want to talk about it. But the only way you ever heal anything is to bring it out into the light, talk about it honestly, and then make actual actions that change everything. And the West also has a history that there have been several beautiful democratically elected leaders who tried to establish autonomy in these countries and then were assassinated by the colonial forces. Assassinated because they were trying to develop their nations and countries and economically empower that went against the interests of a lot of the colonial countries. And, and, that, and that's the truth, you know, and it's, it's sad, but uh, I think it's important. Like if we really want to be free and we want to talk about freedom and surrender and equality and, and, and for the whole, because the whole of humanity can't grow. We are one ultimately, and the whole of humanity can't truly evolve and grow when there is oppression in all these pockets of our psyche and consciousness, you know? I know I have to let you go because you have a million things going on. Uh, you're always welcome here at your home, part of your home, the larger home. Thank you. I do feel great love for you and what you're doing and who you are. Uh, any words of inspiration to the unbelievable amount of people around the world who tune into the show who are tuning in today? And I don't think it's an accident and they get to hear you and listen to a little bit of me uh, who are perhaps in the challenging place, in challenging phase of their life and maybe don't have a lot of lights or stars in their sky like you and I have manifested or we had. and But they found us and they found you. What would you say to them, brother, today? from your soul and heart to them? Wow, if you're going through a challenging moment, if you're going through a challenging time, I feel you. I have been there. I've been broke. I've been homeless. I've been betrayed. I've been abandoned. I've been, you know, taken advantage of. I've, I mean, the list goes on. 
Um, I felt helpless. I felt alone. And if you're going through that, I feel you. If you're going through this challenging moment, just know that your spirit is more powerful than your situation. Trust that. Know that. And I know it's not easy, but also trust that you would not be going through this if you were not ready. And you would not be going through this if your soul was not capable of learning and growing and evolving and rising above this. You wouldn't be going through this challenge if you weren't ready to graduate this lesson and evolve and grow and expand. And so on some level, you have to be ready for your, you're ready for your breakthrough. Otherwise you wouldn't be going through this. And so I know it's challenging. I know it's not easy, but trust, trust that your spirit is bigger than the situation trust that you can come through it and even though you may not understand why this is happening or why it's going on trust that the universe is working for your highest good and that there's something in this that your soul needs to learn and grow through and go through and evolve through so that you can become the person this situation has come gift wrapped in challenge for you to unwrap the gift so that you can tap into a deeper dimension of yourself so that you can become the person that is capable of fulfilling your mission. And sometimes the bigger your mission, the bigger the challenge you have to go through, the bigger muscle you have to develop so that you can develop the soul force that will give you the capacity to serve. And you may not understand why you're going through it now, but just trust it's happening for a reason. And even if you may not understand that you, as to why you're going through it now, I promise you there will come a moment when you're face-to-face -face living your purpose on the stage of your life and you will look back and you will understand exactly why you had to go through this. This experience is part of the preparation. It's a part of the ingredient. It's a part of the cosmic chef, the divine chef cooking you with heartbreak and a bit of divorce and a sprinkling of a, a betrayal and a sprinkling of aloneness, preparing you to marinate you, to serve you to the world. And so no, it's not easy, but keep the faith and just, just put one step in front of the next. That's all. You've been listening to the What Matters Most podcast, a 100% listener-supported program. If you feel inspired, please go to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com backslash whatmattersmost and join our family. So until the next time, stay inspired and in the light.